0: This is the Way to Go podcast, and we are about faith, family, and daily life. We're about taking God's word, breaking it down, making it practical to everyday living. Now, if you want to watch the show, you can actually go to Iggleville Bible Church. Just go to YouTube, type in Iggleville Bible Church, you will find it on the Way to Go playlist. But again, faith, family, and daily life. This is what we're all about. Welcome to the Way to Go podcast. I am Bill McMinn from Eagleville Bible Church. Along with me is Buddy Jimmy Hale uh, from church, from Celebrate Recovery, from Bible Studies. Man, I get to see you all over the place. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so how long have you been coming to church now?
1: So I've been coming here to Eagleville for, let's see, close to three years. It's coming up close three to three years, years. here in right. April. So.
0: And did you meet the essay here, who you're now married to? Did you
1: meet her here or did you already met her before you came? So it's kind of a weird story. I had a, a friend pick me up from prison. He was a runner. I don't like running. Um, but I knew that he would probably want me to run with him. There was a race that day. So he commented that he's get gonna out. Come, yeah, he was going to come pick me up. And he had to get back in time for this race. You know, And I'm <laughs> like, man, I appreciate this dude for picking me up. If he asked me to run, I'm going to commit to it. You know what I mean? So we come back to Ashtabula. We stop at the Liberty House, and he had Thessa meet him there. She was running the race. So right. that was my first introduction to Thessa. Right. And we just started hanging out daily after that. You know? Right.
0: Isn't that interesting, man? It's just crazy. boom, you had that connection, and now you two are, you know, I would say... You know, instrumental, important as far as, I mean, you guys invite people to church, you're a big part of Celebrate Recovery, and there's a reason you're a big cele- part of Celebrate Recovery is because of your own addiction, your own past, and that's right. what I wanted you to come on and kind of talk to us about, to kind of walk us through life, what happened in addiction, how you got out of addiction, and I'm sure I'll have some questions along the way.
1: Okay, sounds good. So, yeah, I'll just start it right out. So, um, you know, I was trying to kind of think on the way here, but I'm trying to stay out of the way, too. And not get it all jumbled up. But the first thing I thought was, I'm just going to start, like, where I can really see things start happening in my life. So that was right about 13, 12 to 13, somewhere in that little range. Um, So I had a lot going on in life. You know, um, I was moving around a lot at this point in my life. Uh, My parents finally settled down, and it was out here in Monroe, south of Conneaut. And that was the first time I ever stayed anywhere long enough to start making friends, you know. So 12, 13, I started making friends. We were going to stick around this house for a while. So I started kind of getting comfortable with myself. And right at that time is when I first found, you know, marijuana. So, and there was no peer pressure. It wasn't anybody that gave it to me. Uh, My parents smoked it and I wanted to smoke it. I wanted to be grown, you know what I mean? Because I thought that's what you did, you know. um, That was my perception. So I stole it from them the first chance I got. I smoked it, and, uh, yeah, I liked it. Right. (laughs) I liked it a lot. Um, It gave me, like, it took away my inhibition. It took away my fear. Uh, You know, I was kind of an awkward kid growing up. Um, I didn't really know how to fit in, and whenever I did feel like I fit in, I was kind of pulled away to a new school. You know, I moved around a lot as a kid. You know, my parents were constantly moving. I was, you know, I've been in Kentucky. I've been in every city in Ashabila County. So I was always a new kid, and it just kind of fed into this, awkwardness that I had Mm -hmm. you know I didn't really care to make friends I didn't really want people to know who I was and right when I started figuring out who I was was when I discovered you know the marijuana so I picked it up and I just I was like I'm gonna do this every day you know it felt right and I liked it so
0: Now, you obviously, you know, you're not allowed to smoke marijuana in school, right? So, I mean, do you do this like before you get on the bus? Do you do this like what?
1: Yeah. So before I got on the bus every day and then actually I found a group of friends real quick that all smoked it. I figured out who these people were. And as soon as I got off the bus, so I had like an hour bus ride. So I got, I smoked before I got on the bus. And then when I got to Conneaut, we'd go off a group of us and smoke again before school. You know what I mean? And I mean, that was my whole purpose of going to school was to go meet these people. Wait, wait, wait. You're saying
0: you, you got away, you, you get off your bus at a public school and actually smoke it before you got to
1: the classroom. (laughs) Yeah. We had our own little corner, man. We, so it was ridiculous. There was uh, this prayer group that was outside. They prayed around the flagpole and we stood right next to them and we had our own circle. You know what I mean? It was pretty ridiculous, but nobody said anything. Nobody stopped it. You know what I mean? Uh, so that's. and and behavior unchecked continues on i find yeah yeah and then uh you know right around that same time i started drinking alcohol you know same thing stealing it from my parents and uh i lived way out in the country there was like three kids that lived out there that i made friends with and you know i pushed it on them like this is the best thing i've ever found you guys need to see what i got you know what i mean right and that's what we all did together you know daily um And a lot of things started happening. So right at that same time, it's crazy how it was the first time I ever felt the Holy Spirit in my life. So my mom made me go to church. I did not want to go to church. I didn't like church. Um, I wasn't really raised in a church. Uh, When we lived in Kentucky, I went to some youth uh, studies and different things like that. But I didn't feel... Maybe
0: maybe your mom heard about your circle next to the prayer circle. (laughs) You know what I'm saying?
1: It was like, (laughs) uh, maybe I need to get this kid in church. So she brought me to church one day, and it's so crazy. I I felt the Holy Spirit within me. So at this time, and I'll explain it to you how it happened, I started writing down this poem, and it came out so beautiful. And, like, this poem was way beyond my knowledge. I'm talking about, you know, the salvation in Christ, and I'm talking about all these things that I didn't know I knew anything about. And it came out so fluently, and I just felt his presence. You know what I mean? I knew it was there. And as soon as I felt that presence, as much as I liked it, I wrote it off. I was like, I don't have time for this. You know what I mean? That's right. not what I'm trying to do. <laughs> right. So I hid from it, you know, and I ran from it. And, you know, all these things I did, you know, constantly partying before school caught up to me quick. You know, junior high, I should have I should have been failing, um, but I tested well. I was intelligent, so I always just kind of got pushed forward. Right. You know what I mean? And then... That was a pattern. I showed up. I hung out with my friends. I did the very least amount possible. I didn't believe in homework. I didn't bring books home. Right. And my parents didn't check it, so I didn't, you know, it wasn't a problem. Um, so I end up going to high school, and when I get to ninth grade, I find out about these credits. You know what I mean? That you got to have to pass to the tenth grade. So that did not go good. You know, my first year of ninth grade, I got one and a quarter credits. You know, you got, I think it's like seven or eight you're supposed to have Uh in the past. So, um, but I wasn't concerned with that. I was concerned with going, meeting my friends, having a good time. um, And just, I don't know, kind of just spending time doing what I wanted to do, you know. Um, But it caught up to me. You know, I got caught with marijuana at school, um, actually paraphernalia. I I had a bowl with me at all times because I always wanted to be prepared. Right. So I got caught with that, you know, um, they searched my locker one day. Um, I got caught with a bull. I got, you know, arrested. The cops came in, they arrested me. They kind of let me go. My mom came and got me. I didn't go to jail, but I got a charge, you know? Um, and I ended up going to juvie. That was my first experience with, uh, you know, consequences and authority and that kind of stuff. And the thing is, is like, uh, I just, it started my pattern of lying and manipulating, you know what I mean? Like I wanted to keep doing what I wanted to do. Right. So I had, I seen judges constantly, almost once a month, you know, my mom was calling the cops on me constantly for being an unruly child, you know, cause I did whatever I wanted. And I had like very, I was angry. I was angry. I had fits of rage weekly, you know what I mean? And one of my fits of rage, my first real big fit of rage was actually my mom wanted to get me to church again. <laughs> and she probably thought she had like a devil child on her hands because right. she planned me to go to church, told me it was happening. Well, I decided I'm going to sneak out this night. I, I'm out. I come back at like six o'clock in the morning, sneak in the window and we're leaving for church at seven. You know what I mean? So I'm just passing out after drinking all night. She comes in to get me up for church and I lose my mind. I start breaking stuff. You know, I just, I react, you know, and you're like
0: 10th grade, ninth grade, ninth grade, ninth grade. So, yeah. And
1: it scared her. You know what I mean? So the cops got called and you know, so I just kept had consequences of that, but I never ended up in juvenile. I had, a, I had a way of kind of talking my way out of things. You mm-hmm. know, making it look like I was the victim um, of circumstances, and the judges uh, really tried to work with me. You know, so I went through treatments. I ended up going to um, Turning Point up here for uh, a class, and then I ended up going to another place for a class, and it was like intensive outpatient, three days a week, three hours a day, and. This in the, is in high school? Yeah. Holy smokes. So at this time, I'm like, it's a mess because the class doesn't start until you you pass your first drug test. So right. I was in this class for like eight months and never started it. You know what I mean? I'm right. just there. I'm just showing up, getting high before I go, um, and doing what I wanted to do. So, you know, it just continued. And the legal issues kept getting pushed away. I ended up on uh, house arrest. I ended up um, kind of just manipulating that situation, doing whatever I wanted to do. I got my first job at that time, and I was working in the carnivals, kind of traveling around Ohio. So the house arrest wasn't monitored except for by my mom. So I got this job, so I didn't have to be home, you know what I mean? Right. And then I had an income, and I really started being able to do what I wanted to do. And, you know, right at this time, right around this time, my parents started going through a divorce, you know what I mean? And that was hard on me. You know, I was lost. I I was angry. I was angry at them. I was angry at everybody everything authority um just angry you know what i mean i had a lot of anger issues at that time in my life and it all kind of caught up to me um so my third year ninth grade is when it finally caught up to me this pattern continued nothing changed i kept doing what i wanted to do still never got put in jail um it's it's crazy how it happened but i was able to kind of manipulate my way out of going to jail but it finally caught up to me when i was getting ready to turn 17. So I'm 17. My parents, I'm not even staying with my parents. I'm doing what I want to do the way I want to do it. They're struggling with their addictions, you know. They're l- running around with my little brother. And I'm just staying whoever, whoever I want to stay with. And I'm actually in, like, this uh, Action Academy, it's called. It's a bad kid school. Um, so I'm there. I'm doing what I need to do to get by. Uh, and I end up being dirty one last time. It was my last chance, you know. So I was getting locked up until I was 18 they were done with me. There was no more chances. I'll, you're going to jail until you're 18. Well, I didn't want to go to jail. So I ran, you know, and when I ran, there was nobody holding me accountable. It was easy for me to disappear, mm-hmm. you know, and I found somebody that had everything I needed. There was this girl I seen around a few years older than me. Um, She had a house, she had a car, she had a job, she had money. And I just I got close to her, you know, I started showing her attention. And it wasn't I didn't even see it at the time. I didn't find this out till later. You know, I did it because I needed what she had. You know, I was manipulating her, um, and I did. I moved in with her. She didn't know I was underage. She didn't know I was a runaway. You know, all this came out, and I didn't tell her all this until she told me she loved me. So now Mm -hmm. I got you. You know what I mean? So uh, I convinced her that the best route would just be to let me stay with you until I turn 18, and then I'll take care of it. (laughs) And... It was crazy. The people that I started hanging out with um, were older than me. They lived that kind of life away from the law, and I just really started getting involved with the darker side of the drug world. You know, I started uh, doing meth. I started doing pills every day. Um, And I was 17. Uh, I had a kid on the way, so I was getting ready to have my first son and, man, I was just a mess. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know where I was headed. I was angry all the time, and the, the meth didn't help that. You know, that that really made me act out right? even worse. You know what I mean? And so she had to deal with that. So we had a really toxic relationship. Um I turned 18, made it. I made it that year and a half. I ran somehow, got away with it, living the life that I lived. that should have never happened the way it happened, but I made it. You know, uh, I finally got picked up when I was – I was on a drunken binge. I'm blacked out. I'm puking all over the place, breaking stuff, and I get arrested. So I spend my first night in jail, ever. Um, And it scared me, you know, but not enough to stop doing what I was doing. But I I saw the consequences really coming into play at that point, you know. So this is right after my son's born, you know, and I started the pattern my parents had, moving around a lot, you know, because I just wasn't taking care of things. The only thing that was important was me, what I wanted – and how I was going to get it. You right. Know? And I sold drugs. I did just whatever it took to keep doing what I needed to do to just not be me, you know, and to right. not feel who I was. And we kind of just moved along like that. You know, I ended up having three kids with this woman. Um, her name was Ashley, you know, and I loved her to death. She was the first female that I ever gave myself to. And, uh, I was committed to her. I never cheated on her. I was mean. I was angry. We fought a lot, but we loved each other a lot, Mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, like that pattern I was talking about with the drugs that progressed. My parents came back in my life, uh, right when I was about 18 and they came back into my life as my friends and not my parents, you know, they did pills as well. You know, they partied. So that's what we did together. That's the only bond that we had was just that lifestyle. So that's what we did and we talked every day. You know, I talked to my parents every day, but it was like, can you guys get a pill or I got a pill or, you know, I got some weed, you know, that's
0: It was just addiction.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was just addiction ran. And my my marriage was, my family life was, my little brother was getting older at this time and they were letting him party. So that's what we all did. You know what I mean? It was pretty much a mess. And it just progressed from there. And then uh when I was let me think about 24, 25 I had my first uh, real run-in. You know, I earned my first felonies at that point. Um, the people I was around, I was letting some people around that I knew weren't good for me. And, I, you know, at this point in my life, I still think I'm a good person. I'm trying to be decent. I'm trying to be a dad. I thought I was a good dad. I thought I was a good husband. But obviously, you're not You're not that when you're living the life I was living. Um, so I ended up picking up this felony, and I ran from that. I thought, you know, I did it before. I can just do right. that again. I'll just run, you know. Right. And, That didn't work very long. I ended up getting picked up, going to jail, um, realizing that I was going to have to do 18 months in jail, you know, in prison, not jail, but prison. So I sat in jail for 60 days. Uh, Tom Allen from the church here actually came in during that time. He spoke to my heart. He really did. You know, Jesus found a way to get a hold of me during that time. And I was really feeling the conviction that something has to change. I need to do something. And, you know, he had told me, you need to come out to Eagleville, you know. And that was way back, you know, 10 years ago plus. Right. And uh, I just logged that in the back of my brain. You know what I mean? I didn't think much about it for a long time. So I ended up going to jail. <laughs> and when I went to prison, things really, really were really bad. Um, when I got out of jail, before I went to prison, I had a little time. I got custody of my children thinking that was going to keep me out of jail. You know, it wasn't. I wasn't going to quit doing what I did. I was going to try to manipulate it again. So I got custody of my kids, thinking that would save me. Um, I did all these things, tried to make it look good, but I couldn't quit using and partying. So I ended up getting put back in jail um, and sent out to prison. So I'm sitting in prison in the rain, uh, which is like the holding prison before you actually go to your parent institution, the prison that you're going to stay in. And my life really crumbled. It fell apart, man. Um, I had so many things happen. So first of all, I got papers in the mail one day that I no longer have custody of my children. I mean, obviously, you're not going to have custody when you're in prison. You can't, right. you can't take care of them, you know. Um, and she couldn't gain custody because she had lost custody as well during this whole thing. Right. She was living the way I was living. Shortly after that, I get a phone call from the warden. or Yeah, from uh, I get a pass to go to the warden's office, and I didn't do anything wrong. I couldn't figure out why I was going over there. I go over there. He sits me down and tells me, you know, you need to call home. There's some things that happen that you need to, you know, your mother, you need to call your mother and talk to your mom. Um, so I did. I called home. And my mother tells me that my wife, I was married to her for seven, almost eight years, just short eight years at this point. She passed away as a direct result to drugs and alcohol, you know. Wow. And it floored me, you know. So here I am. I lost my freedom. I lost my kids. I lost my wife. I was lost. I was completely lost. And I didn't have the drugs to numb it. So I would just, I didn't know what to do, man. And I I wasn't angry at God not one second. I knew I could find peace in him. You know what I mean? So I sought out to go to church. And the pastors there were just wonderful. You know, they got me over to talk to them every day for two weeks. Mm -hmm. You know, they sat me down, walked me through the Bible, helped me to understand what God is, where he fits in my life, what he can do for me. And uh, I started believing it. You know, I really wanted it. And I dove into the Bible. You know, at that time, I read the entirety, I had it in my cell, um, the entirety of the New Testament. You know, I started asking questions. I started studying James. And it's funny how I was led to James. So my birth name is James, Mm -hmm. you know, completely selfish reasons. Like, oh, this book's written about me. You know what Uh I mean? So I'm going to read James. Man, James really floored me. You know, it told me so much about my addiction it told me so much about my selfishness it told me i mean it just really opened my eyes to what god could be in my life so i thought i was going to do something with that and i stayed studying the bible every day you know that i just looked forward to it every bible study every church service like i i was lifted i felt so good you know way better than the drugs ever made me feel right and i just wanted it you know i wanted more of it but anyway um I ended up just turning my back on it, you know? Right. Uh, I got out early, went back to knowing what I knew. I moved back to Ashtabula because I was staying in Canton in the halfway house. And my dad was dying of uh, COPD. And he was like my best friend. I wanted to see him. So I came home knowing it wasn't going to be good for me, knowing I didn't have a foundation to keep me away from the, the chaos. And I ended up back there. And he died shortly after. And me and my mom just took off running. She followed me into some of the darkest, deepest, scariest places in the world. You know, I had her in trap houses. I was selling drugs. I started cooking meth. Um, You know, that's what I learned in prison. Besides God was how to be a better criminal. So I got out and thought it'd be, you know, the next thing that I get to do that I, my next purpose is to be a meth cook. You know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it good. (laughs) It was so bad. So we ended up in that lifestyle. I ended up getting another felony. A few of them. Uh, I ended up pleading out to a felony too. Ended up back in prison, this time for three years, and uh, man, I did not want to change. I didn't want God. I wanted nothing to do with any of it, but I wanted something different. So I was searching, and I really thought, like, I was trying to find this power from, I guess you would call it my higher self, you know what I mean? I was doing, like, all this soul development type stuff, like, all these readings. I was reading about Buddhist stuff. I wanted to have, like, this enlightenment. I was searching all these things out, but at the same time, I'm still reading the Bible, Mm -hmm. you know? And it just, uh, it's crazy how it happened. But I came to a point two years into my prison stay where I, uh, I knew I had to do something different and it all happened on April 1st, 2018. Um, it was Easter and April, April 1st. So I had like, I was going to AA. I thought I had this higher power. Um, and I ended up using that day in prison. And I couldn't say no. And at, like, I had this moment of realization like, my higher power is a joke. You know, why else would it be April Fool's Day and right. Easter? You know what I mean? So I submitted myself to do something different and got into Alcoholics Anonymous. You know what I mean? I started reading the big book and I started doing something. I found another individual that would walk through it with me. And I started studying the 12 steps, you know, and uh, it opened my eyes completely to a new way of life. You know, I just got involved with just reading it out of the book and trying to understand on a simpler level what I needed to do to do something different because I I tried to find God, but I wasn't looking for God. I was looking for, you know, I guess the best way to say it was more strength and more power for me to figure it out. Right. I didn't really want to rely on anybody or anything else. Right. I didn't want to submit But that night when everything happened, when I did that suboxone in prison um, and God opened my eyes, I knew I had to be done, you know, and I knew where that strength came from. And I prayed. I prayed hard. I prayed to God. And I asked him to just pull me out of this, help me see something, help me do something different, you know, and he surrendered me that day. I didn't want to surrender. I didn't want nothing different. I didn't know anything different. I didn't understand that there was even a chance for something different. And he just gave me some real clear cutting directions. Like this is where you're going to find your peace. You right. Know? And I picked up and started doing steps, you know, and those steps, the way they're designed. I mean, they're kind of a springboard to God, you know, um, and they're, they start out real simple. It was, it was a God of my understanding at the beginning, you know, and I found out real quick that that wasn't going to work for me. You know, it had to be God of the Bible. It had right. to be Jesus Christ because he has a clear cut set of principles that are going to show me how Mm -hmm. I need to live my life. Right. And without that, I'm lost, you know? Um, and I learned that in celebrate recovery. I was reinforced in celebrate recovery that, you know, a God of your own understanding is a dangerous, slippery slope. So
0: you, when you, when do you think you actually came to Christ? Was it at that point? Was it earlier in your life? Was it after you got out? Was it? So
1: when I gave myself to Christ was the first time in prison. Um, when I found that peace, to deal with my wife's passing mm-hmm. you know i did the prayers i understood that that's what i needed but i turned my back on it as soon as i got out because i did i just didn't know what to do with it i was scared of it you well, know? this last time
0: you didn't right when you came out you go on the run you meet the Asa, you start coming to church
1: right so i would say i really turned my life to christ the right way um about six months before i got out of prison this last time okay. so uh, somewhere in between 2018, you know, right. I really, I started studying the Bible to understand Jesus and God, not to understand how I had more power. Right. You know, I started really diving in and trying to figure out what that looks like for me. And I started seeing the truth, you know, I started really feeling it in my life.
0: And now your life has changed.
1: Absolutely. Right. So.
0: You're married, you've got contact <laughs> with your kids, you've got.
1: Yeah. There's so right. many beautiful things. So, right. The things that god has done um so right before i got out i started having some fear i was relying on god you know jesus i was relying and some fear came in that i wouldn't be able to maintain this when i got out because of right. my past, you know and what happened was he, he comforted me and he he sent me a miracle that i didn't even expect you know he sent a friend of mine he's not even a believer but he is just a really good person you know right and he reached out to me on you know, we had this email in there called JPay. He reached out to me and let me know that he's there for me, that he's hearing about. I don't know how he hears about me doing AA in there, but he's in an AA and he just wants to be there for me. You right. know, so when I'm praying about it, I mean, I'm literally, I'm starting to pray about it. It's like two months before I get out, and I fear comes in. I know what to do. I pray. And within two days of praying hard for it, God answers that prayer and put somebody in my path, you know, that's going to be there for me. Right. So he says he's going to pick me up. He does. You know, he comes and gets me. I come back to Ashtabula with, you know, a little bit of hesitation because my mom's here that I partied with. I don't know how she's doing. You know, my all my friends that I've always hung out with live here. So I had a little bit of apprehension, but no real fear, you know, because I knew God had me. You know, I knew he'd shown me too many things. He showed me that he could keep me sober. He showed me he can uh, give me direction. And he spoke to my heart. He still, he constantly speaks to my heart. You know, as long as I make that time for prayer and meditation, he absolutely answers. You know, I get that intuitive thought of what his will is, you know. And I, I feel it on a daily basis. So when I come back to Ashtabula, I just jump right in. Um, and I start doing meetings cause I feel like I owe a debt to the other 12 step program. Uh, cause it brought me to God, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so I'm always going to work on paying that debt, you know, and that's through sponsoring and doing leads and just service in that, you know, in that program. Um, but I'm so grateful for Thiesa and invited me here to celebrate recovery. Um, so she said, asked me to come with her. Uh, it was like the second Tuesday that I was out and, You know, I know Jesus, I knew God, I wanted, you know, some godly people in my life, so I accepted immediately, and the first face I see when I walk in was the guy that offered me to come out here 10 years prior, you know what I mean? Tom Allen. Tom Allen, standing (laughs) there greeting me. Right. And I just knew I was right where I needed to be. Right. You know, I knew God was working, I felt his presence, and I let him know, like, you offered, you know, you told me to come here, you know, when I got out of prison, I'm here, you know what I mean? I was so excited to tell him I'm here. And you know, ever since that day, I've just stayed involved in this program, you know in celebrate recovery um it's It's probably like the best part of my life, you know right. what I mean, because the most godly people, the best people I know in the world come here to Eagleville and celebrate recovery right uh, and I've just learned so much and what's that look like for me uh It's just a bunch of really simple things I do, you know so me and Theessa continued to be friends, and eventually we decided, you know, we wanted to be more than friends. Right. You know, and I started down that path, you know, trying to figure out what that looked like. And, you know, she's part of the praise team here. Right. You know, she's a leader, you know. Yeah. And we had to be real careful what we were doing and how we were doing it. And uh, I didn't want to get married again. I had all this hate and this pain from losing my wife. And I didn't think I ever wanted to be married again, but you know, the Holy Spirit showed me something different. You know, he opened my eyes real quick that if this is somebody you want to be with, this is the next step. And now
0: you're heading for two years of marriage? Yeah. come on, All right, well, um, we're going to come back, and we'll talk about some of the things you do on a daily basis. And, yeah, I got some other things, you know, I want to bring up. But I appreciate Christ. You know, he says, hey, if you're thirsty, come to me. If you're weary, come to me. And he is able to help us through our difficult times. So We appreciate your testimony today. Tune in for the next podcast. We appreciate you being here and uh, joining us for this one. Have a great week.